0: on Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to your Fan Friday edition of Locked On Blue Jays directly into the night that is pierced with the sound of home runs. It's part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ryan Andrews, as we said, Fan Friday here on the podcast, and if you'll notice from the sound of my voice, definitely a lot happier than it was going to be at this point in time Uh, yesterday. uh, The Blue Jays, I, I, I said on Twitter I don't have any words for what they did last night. I still don't really. It's still just like kind of a fever dream that the Blue Jays turned an 8-2 deficit heading into the ninth inning into a 9-8 walk-off victory. We're going to have some reactions from y'all, obviously, about that, and we'll probably have to talk about some other things about this game, because we can't just boil that game down to the ninth inning. There's a reason why the Blue Jays were down 8-2 heading into that. And A lot of it falls on Sam Gaviglio's shoulders, so may talk about him and some other things on today's podcast. But again, how can we ignore just the sheer fireworks explosion in the room that was created by that ninth inning? I still don't believe how the Blue Jays were able to do that. I mean, their, their win percentage, according to baseball reference, was zero. And it was zero as of the eighth inning, right after Anthony Alford struck out. At that point, it was like below 1%. And all experience with the Tampa Bay Rays this season would would tell you that, okay, they're going to throw out another pitcher who no one's ever heard of, and it's going to be over. But let's, let's go through what happened on the Blue Jays' side of that inning. It, it started with, like, good, solid contact, first of all. Dwight Smith Jr. comes in, leads off the inning, smashes a solid double into center field that Malik Smith just muffed. Like, he's got the wheels to get to those balls, but he just can't handle them all the time. Gets to third on a triple. Doesn't get the triple, disappointing Keegan Matheson and all of his followers everywhere, but still, got the triple. Then Rowdy Telez comes and follows up with a double of his own. Nothing new from Rowdy. Looked like, okay, the young guys are feeling a little frisky, trying to do things. So, 8-3 at that point. And then, probably one of the more important at-bats that got lost in this, Jonathan Davis, the guy with two career Major League hits, goes up there and works Jamie Schultz over 10 pitches, fighting off full counts with foul balls until Schultz finally plunks him, putting Davis aboard. So now they're two on, and and you're like, okay, this is interesting. Reese McGuire steps in in place of a Diaz, which is interesting, but at this point, Gibby was just giving the young guy's run, letting him get in the game. McGuire strikes out. Win percentage drops back down to two. Like, okay. Um, good, good effort, Reese. Good, good try. Danny Jansen comes in. Danny Jansen, not a power hitter by any stretch of the imagination, but still got a fat hanging pitch from Jamie Schultz, who, again, by this point, he's over 27 pitches, and Again, once you start tiring these batters, these pitchers out, once you start seeing more of them, good things happen. They make mistake pitches, and Danny Jansen buried a mistake pitch over the left field wall. All of a sudden, it's an 8-6 game, and now it's a save situation. You're like, all right, seen this before. Jays are getting frisky, but probably going to come up short. They did the same thing against Cleveland. Made it to 9-8. Couldn't pull it off. Like, okay, whatever. It's going to look a lot better than it was. Especially once Sergio Romo comes in and strikes out Richard Urania, Drops it back down to 1%. Two outs, okay. Like, Kendris Morales comes in to pinch hit for Anthony Alford. You're like, alright, this will probably kind of do it. Kendris, you know, the magic's been over with him. But somehow... Kendris Morales manages to bloop a ball into like the Bermuda Triangle. I I have no idea how four Rays players were able to converge on it and not get it. But that ball fell to the turf. Kendris Morales is on. Inning is extended, and unlike with Jamie Schultz, they were not waiting around with Sergio Romo. Lourdes Gurriel takes the first pitch he sees to like the the deep bleachers in left field ties the game immediately after like before you're even basking like oh wow the Blue Jays tied it immediately after Justin Smith takes his first pitch and smashes it out of the park and and for a guy who made the last out of the eighth inning to go up there and make and hit the winning walk-off home run of the ninth inning that's a complete like just turnaround like like mood lifter, and you could see the emotion on the Blue Jays in the dugout once Justin Smoke hit that. Lourdes Gurriel just trotted home, just just kind of feeling himself, and and just instantly darts out. Russell Martin, who hasn't played in like two weeks, running out there, slamming his hat on the ground. Just just the party that happened at home plate because of this miraculous comeback that the Blue Jays offered, and you know the fans. We're in on it themselves, like, like, uh, as as we were we were talking last night. Um, one of the fans, regular contributor, Little Lost Pixie at Little Lost Pixie, was at that game and literally cried when Justin Smoke hit that home run, saying it's been such a tough season, especially against the Rays. Tonight they were gonna fall asleep with a smile, and and that's. Something the Blue Jays have not been able to do this season. Um, Andrew Wodehams at Dodgers Roadkill said he turned it on to see the bloop single, three RBIs against Biagini. Nope. And then baseball happened. And you're, you're, you're seeing that, that kind of affirmation of baseball in fans. Mike Sexton at Dodger fan always saying it it's why you never leave early. The most spectacular things happen when all is lost. Um, Mel Morales at Melmora underscore said it, it gave real hope for the future. It's a bit of magic as they close the books on this season. They've emotionally invested in the young talent. They want them to succeed. And you know, Mel, she, she's an admitted Yankees follower. She's a New York native. So we appreciate the adoption as a second team. And yeah, the fact that it was mostly the young guys coming up and doing that. Smith with a hit. Telez with the extra bases. Jonathan Davis just getting on base no matter what he had to do. Staying alive, fouling off pitches, taking that ball and getting on base. Danny Jansen able to sit back, wait for that mistake pitch that he knew was coming and just drive it over. Lourdes Gurriel just being Lourdes Gurriel. That seven-year contract is starting to look like a bargain already for the Blue Jays. Just a very astute international signing. And, it again, it, it just kind of gives you belief. It gives the fans hope. What I, um, this was a late entry I got in from Matt Kay at Jellybean underscore Bizkit. I think I pronounced that right. They quit watching the game in about the fifth inning, just to check uh their phone in the bottom of the ninth to see it was all tied up. Got really excited to see that turn the game back on the second that Justin Smoke hit that home run. I think that Justin Smoke home run is going to ring in fans' brains for a while. just the way he was able to do that and Matt Kay said although they missed half the inning, still encouragement to keep watching next year, and that's what this whole month of September has been for Blue Jays fans to find that encouragement to keep watching to find that hope it's similar to the Cleveland Brown fans who finally tasted victory after 635 days that same night I I know because it was on the other TV but just having that hope come back and and make you convinced that magic still exists in baseball I, that a team can can turn it around at the drop of a hat it was magical to see and i'm glad so many fans took that same that that same emotion from that comeback and and there's almost a sense of relief for some fans that the Blue Jays still had that in them. I know uh Mia Loy at G Snap underscore ABK six said, Thank goodness that dramatic comeback showed that the Rays didn't own the Jays like they historically do. At least tonight, at the end their kryptonite failed. That that kryptonite of the bullpen game, which we would have been talking about on this podcast. If that ninth inning didn't happen, was another bullpen game that the Jays just could not do anything with. But instead, we get to devote a a lengthy first segment to just the joy of of baseball. And it's it's been it's been rough this season for baseball, not just the Jays, all over the place. It's been rough for baseball. But last night was one of those moments that you know, still convinces you that baseball is good. And it it's something that, again, Blue Jays fans can take into the offseason with them, that, that that sort of thing can still happen with this team. So that that's something I was happy to take away from. But we're going to talk about some of the other factors in last night's game, including the Blue Jays' starting pitcher, right after this. Okay, we're back on Blue Jays Fan Friday here on Locked On Jays. Said we were going to talk about the starting pitching. Sammy Avilio was not a starting pitcher last night. He was a glorified bullpen man. I'm I'm impressed he got five innings. He, he managed to survive uh, the fourth inning where where again it looked like it was starting to come undone for him. He gave up the the Lead-off single to Matt Duffy, and then a couple really hard-hit balls from Tommy Pham and Joey Wendell made it a two-two game, and you know really took the wind out of the Blue Jays' sails. Because it, again, it's like, okay, Sam Gavilio is turning back into a pumpkin. He did bounce back in the fifth. He he managed to limit the damage there. He he only let Malik Smith aboard because Malik Smith just is pure lightning, and on the base path. So limited the damage there, but it became apparent that, you know, he, he needed to do just a little bit more once, you know, the, the bullpen took over and it was clear the bullpen did not have anything good to offer on that night. Jose Fernandez came out, could only get the one out. Jake Petrichka came out, gave up a single and a walk and was done. John Gibbons rightly pulling Petritschka, who, you know, if you weren't convinced he wasn't going to make this team in 2019 before, that's going to do it. You can dial up the screwball all you want, but you need to be able to get guys out. Petritschka hasn't done that on a consistent basis, so they got bailed out by Tim Meza coming in there and just delivering heat, striking out CJ Krohn, striking out Carlos Gomez, and... And really keeping things in check. But then, again, Blue Jays go back to the well. Mark Leiter comes in and is completely wild. Walk, single, struck out G-Man Choi. Wild pitch, single to Fam, single to Wendell, who were doing all the damage they could for the Blue Jays. And then B-Genie comes in and gives up a bases-clearing single, which should not be a sentence said. But Biagini was put in a difficult spot coming in with two runners on. And Joe Biagini's not been the guy who's going to strand those runners this year. And to see the bullpen work like that, to see, you know, like arms come out there and, and fall flat, that was kind of despair that's been commonplace for the Blue Jays. That, that okay, the bullpen's done it again, whatever, we're we're moving on here. So, I, I will give Joe Biagini credit. It was nice to see him have that bounce back top of the eighth. He stayed out there and got three outs on six pitches. That's great. Do that. David Polino looked a lot better. David Polino wants to stick around in the major leagues. He's done going back to AAA after three seasons of that back and forth. So, Polino looked look good last night. I like his chances to be in the bullpen next year if he doesn't make the rotation. But... It, it was nice to see the offense kind of bail out the pitching for once. It's not something they've been able to do because the home runs have not been coming as easily for the Blue Jays and definitely not packing as much punch as they did before. And I actually wrote about that on jaysfromthecouch.com today. So if you haven't checked out the article yet, be sure to do so. I did some math for that. I did actual counting. So check that out. So my arithmetic skills do not... Go used in vain, but but again, it it just kind of confirms that Sam Gavilio should not be an MLB starter. And I gave a retweet out to Karen Souter, friend of the show, at Karen Souter one, who said that there is not any reason for Gavilio to be a starter, and that he should be used as a bullpen arm in 2019 starts out well for one to three innings but by the fourth or fifth he's being lit up and often out of the game and i agree with that i think sam Gavilio can actually be a really good mlb swingman, a guy who can come in give you like two to three mop-up innings if you're if the game is out of hand and not hurt you too badly and I, I did talk about this with Jace from the Couch.com writer Roy Wood Roy Widrig, who's been on the show before, and he's the one we had that conversation about that I mentioned yesterday, and I think he agrees that, you know, let let Barucki, let Reed Foley, let Pannone take the rotation spots and use Gavilio as kind of a in case of injury option, which I don't even really like him like that. I'd rather see like a TJ Zoit come up or or do something in that regard but no it is what it is and it, it's the end of the season so they're kind of just running it out and we will see what happens for the blue jays next year like i said i don't think avilio is going to be in the rotation but again i'm not the i'm not the person making the roster decisions so we will actually talk about one of the big Stories to hit Major League Baseball this week, right after this break. All right, so not a lot of time left on today's Fan Friday episode, so I did want to take this time and just kind of touch on what happened out of Chicago today, which is the news that Cubs shortstop Addison Russell was placed on administrative leave today, in light of a blog post by his now ex-wife detailing the manner of why they had to get divorced and the abuse that she suffered at the hands of Addison Russell during their time in matrimony. I I wanted to touch on this because it is a topic that is going to be relevant again for the Blue Jays very soon, and in addition to what I wrote today on JaysFromTheCouch.com, I'll be having a piece on that website on Monday in regards to the return of Roberto Osuna to Toronto. And now they're not entirely similar situations. Uh, The Osuna suspension was over a specific incident while Addison Russell, by the accounts of Melissa Reedy, engaged in philandering, in abuse, both emotionally and physically, and verbally, and did so over the length of their marriage. It was consistent from Addison Russell. So what MLB is doing has to kind of take into account the length of time that that this has been going on with him and his actions once it was clear that the marriage was over. but it does tie back to Osuna because MLB has a problem with how it's educating its younger players. And when they get into relationships, they they feel so dominant. They feel they have to exude that kind of masculine command to the point where it just poisons them and, and leads them to do such horrific things. You and and it's no team is safe from this and I'll be talking about this when I write about it this is this is kind of the preview of what I'm going to talk about but no team is safe from this if you look at the american league if you don't want to cheer for a team that has a domestic abuser on its roster Your only option in the American league is Cleveland and they have a whole different set of problems with that name of theirs, which we will not be going into today, but no, every, every one of them have as, as a, has someone on them who can be described as a monster. Boston, Stephen Wright was jailed for domestic abuse in the off season Aroldis Chapman of the Yankees, obviously, with the gun incident. Houston acquired Roberto Osuna and put him on their roster, so that's great. Even Oakland has Juris Familia, who is subject to a domestic violence investigation by MLB and a suspension. So, so no one in the American League is clean in that regard. But the Cubs, who were previously this, this cuddly organization, oh, we haven't won in so long, it's just going to be fun. It really taints the outlook of the front office and what they're doing there. I mean, first, you you could write off, as many Cubs fans did, the acquisition of Chapman in 2016, just like they were going for it. They had to end a 108-year drought. They, they did what they had to do. All right, fine. Drought's over. This year, it's coming out that... The Addison Russell issue has been an issue for over a year, and the Cubs did nothing. And then they went out and acquired Daniel Murphy, who has issues with the LBGTQ community to a prolific degree, to the point where he says they don't exist in his mind. So it's really tainted the image of that that kind of lovable loser Cub mentality, in that they're shifting and becoming a an encapsulation of the problems MLB has had with its attitudes towards minority fans and and female fans and i i just i just wanted to to get that out and like get get those thoughts out because it it frustrates me as as we talked about in the first segment baseball is so good it can be so good of a sport but there are forces that you know, take that magic and and use it for evil ends, and it it frustrates me. And for for more on the Addison Russell situation, I'll I'll recommend that you check out the Twitter feed of friend of the show Kelly Wallace at Kelly A Wallace. She's done a great job rounding up all the specific reactions from the Cubs community, from from other fans, from players. Follow her if you're not doing so on Twitter. She is absolutely top-notch in what she does so that's where i'm going to end today's episode i know i'm ending fan friday on a bit of a downer but i i we still have the magic of last night's ninth inning to carry in our hearts and and carry forward into the weekend as the blue jay season continues to draw to a close so uh just a reminder just because mlb season's opening doesn't mean that this podcast will be silent, so follow Locked On Jays on Twitter. Make sure you're you're following that up, so you know when a podcast is coming out. Follow me on Twitter at Neoac18, just so we can interact, have some discussions. If you want to talk about what I did today, I actually had a really good conversation with another friend of the show, um, Lucky Stars at Bright Skies 99. Um, you can check that out. I'm going to retweet what they said just just so it's out there because they are 100% correct. And yeah, just thank you to everyone who, who contributed their thoughts and opinions. Thank you to Matt and Karen and Roy and Pixie and Andrew, Mia, Mel, Mike, all of you. Thank you so much for you know, contributing and, and talking baseball with me and, and sharing your thoughts with the world. Cause that that's what I, I want to try and facilitate and that's hopefully what I've done today. So I'm glad I get to continue doing that with all you fine people. So for everyone here at the Locked On Podcast Network and everyone at Locked On Blue Jays, this has been Ryan Andrews. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of the podcast. And y'all take care.